Welcome to the Tutor Podcast, the only weekly show for anyone who is in the business of helping people. If you're a tutor, a teacher, or a coach, the Tutor Podcast will help you start, grow, and love your tutoring business in plain English without the buzzwords and BS. If you want to make more money and make more of a difference, the Tutor Podcast will be with you every step of the way. Hi, it's Neil here with the Tutor Podcast, injecting uncommon sense into your tutoring, teaching and coaching businesses. As always, I'm here to help you. So today I'll be telling you about some of the stupid things I've done to avoid me making mistakes and hopefully to help you to avoid making the same daft mistakes that I've made. So let's get cracking with with today's episode, The Art of Vanishing. Now, this is revisiting a simple idea I've shared a while back. It's an idea that's always been brilliant for me. But more so now than ever, it's been valuable. And if you try it, it can work for you. Now, the art of vanishing, this is just like going invisible, as I called it in a previous uh, episode of the podcast. It's giving yourself a day of isolation to just step back because that, it's it's really easy to get sucked what into what I call the vortex of everyday everyday doing, you know. So it's the scrappy day to day bits and pieces work of actually running the business. Let's face it, when you're in business for yourself, you're generally busy and that's a danger. Because the being busy stuff can really blindside us to working on the business. We get sucked into working in it. And now that so many of us are working online and we're plonked in front of computers all day, the problems have, if anything, got a lot worse. So I guess that you, like me, will easily fall into the habit of doing little jobs in the business on top of the demands of actually spending time with clients and students, your friends, your family, and earning your fees. Uh, as I say, you know exactly what I'm talking about, don't you? The example of things like doing a bit of bookkeeping, making a couple of phone calls, do some research, and just having a quick look at that YouTube video that was interesting, or just catching up with whatever it was you were fanning around with last night on Amazon Prime. So going invisible or vanishing, isolating myself is how I deal with that. It's it's my way of guaranteeing that I'm going to work on the business, not just in it. Now, when this idea occurred to me years ago now, I was a bit sceptical, but I tried it. It's, it's kind of worked, and it's worked better and better. And now, more than ever, I think it's just so crucial to do. So test it. Because if you, if you test it, it might work. If you don't test it, it can't possibly work. If you're wrong about stuff, that's cool. Because I love being wrong about stuff. It means I've just got an upgrade or an update to a better way of doing things. So vanishing for the day, going invisible, having an isolation day is a really, really cool thing. It's so cool that my ambition is to be able to vanish for a couple of days every month. But that hasn't happened yet. 
but it's going to. Now, getting away from your normal, which personally I believe is an overrated term, your normal life is a tactic I've used to isolate myself from getting sucked into the vortex of everyday stuff in order to think about and work on the big stuff, the big things that if I did them would make a massive difference long term. Now, here's how I do it when life is normal, which I call going invisible. I take myself completely off the grid. Eliminate distractions. That's what I'm aiming for. The research says that each interruption during a working day takes about 20 minutes out of your life. That's the time spent dealing with it and getting back up to speed. I mean, if if you've got a dozen phone calls or messages or mail alerts and they each take 20 minutes out of your day, how the hell are you going to get anything done? So eliminate those distractions. A turn off all alerts. Turn off the phone. Turn off the email alerts. The push notifications. Everything. Remember, email, it's not probably critical. Nothing life or death ever came via email and the phone turn it off for god's sake it's not going to kill you leave it at home lock it in the boot of the car put it in the safe or bury it in a waterproof container and have it guarded by a hungry leopard just get away from your phone it's so difficult to do that but it's also completely crucial Your job is to make yourself unreachable, unavailable. Remember, this is sacred time. If something's important, they'll call back or they'll leave a message. And you can pick that up later. So well in advance of when I'm taking this isolation day, my invisible day, I'm going to clear the whole diary page off. I won't put anything else in there. I'm going to block the time, block it on the schedule, And I won't get sucked into doing anything else. However tempting it might be. Nothing takes that spot. So I put it in the diary and I stick to it. It's a vital part of my planning activities. Now, if you don't plan, it's never going to happen. All I'll have is randomness and chaos, which is stressful. It's unpleasant and it's unhealthy. So that's what I do. In normal times, I'll book a venue or I'll go to my favorite coffee shop, hot desk locale or hotel, a local library, any kind of conducive environment that I like, preferably one that has table service where someone else can cook for me. So before lockdown, I'd book a table arrive at 9am and ask for a bottle of sparkling water and a skinny latte. I'd also ask the waitress to bring me a cappuccino at 11 and lunch at 1 o'clock. I'll get an espresso at 4 o'clock and dinner at 6. So I've tied myself in all day long. It's given me a structure with deadlines and it's meant I'm committed to keeping my backside on the seat. I've set myself up rewards breaks 
just by taking that one slightly odd eccentric action. They talk to the staff whilst I'm there, but when I arrive and tell them what I'm doing, and they generally take good care of me, I'll usually tip them in advance. As I probably remarked before, nobody's ever been asked about it. They don't think I'm a pretentious knob hanging out and posing. They just think there's someone who's got a handle on themselves, who's taking massive action, and they're curious. And we've ended up with some interesting conversations around that. Now, since we're all living in a more locked down Britain, which is, in my opinion, a quasi prison state where freedom of music, of movement has been stolen from us. And we've been given a few crumbs back and we're allowed to keep the crumbs as long as we wear stupid masks and stop being human with each other. Don't start me off on this because I think the whole covid debacle is built on a lie be that as it may that's my opinion take a very dim view of politicians generally but even in this ridiculous perverse environment you still would be well advised to take a day to yourself even if it means not leaving the house now up front, I've got to tell you, I'm a single bloke. I live by myself. And this is actually pretty easy for me. For you guys with family or who share accommodation, not so easy. So this is what I suggest you do. Tell your tribe, your family, your students, your friends, that you're not available at, at time A through to time B. Get your partner or your spouse on board. Be prepared for some resistance and some pushback. You're not having a day off, remember. You're having a clear day to think strategically about the future and to plan a better future that you can both share. So if you can get some buy-in from your partner or your spouse on that, you'd be well advised to do so. Clear your schedule completely. Nothing takes that spot, guys. Then start thinking about what you'll need for the day, whether that's coffee, beans, food, stationery, whatever it is you're going to need, make sure it's ready for you because you don't want to be having to break up that precious sacred time you set aside for yourself in order to go and buy some coffee beans, get hold of some more yellow pads or whatever it is you do. The next thing, and this is a big one for me, is I park my car off site. People think that either of my cars aren't here, then I'm not here either. I have a sort of utility vehicle and a little roadster. If neither of those cars are here, nobody never knocks the door. Particularly if I close the gate. I have a 10-foot field gate at the end of my drive. So if that's closed and none of the cars are here, as far as the rest of the world is concerned, I am not here. I'm sending out a signal. I'm not here, guys. People aren't going to make the effort of opening the gate in order to go down the drive, knock on the door, if neither of my cars is here. That's pretty easy. The other thing I do is I turn off the doorbell and I turn off the house phone. 
I also close the blinds in the area where I'm going to be working. Now, this isn't to eliminate the view, but it's to prevent me from being spotted and visited by people who've just spotted me through the window who say things like, oh, we thought you were out because the cars weren't there. But then we saw you through the window. Uh, no, no, thanks. My recording studio is at the back of the house. Nobody can see me from the road. This is good. But my office is on the front of the house. I'm visible from the road. I don't want to be seen when I'm in an isolation day. I want to be invisible. So close the lines. Now, this idea of isolating myself was really valuable for me when lockdown was imposed on us and draconian measures were enacted by the government that effectively put everybody under house arrest. So I turned everything off. The phones, the doorbell, closed the gate. I just worked on getting my online teaching running at a proper level. So that was installing proper lighting, rigging cameras, six cameras in all. The switching systems are tested and rigged different microphones and setups. Then set up online booking and payment integrations onto a platform on my website before inviting a handful of students to beta test what I was doing. Now, during these three isolation days where I just grafted, I slept a few hours a day on the sofa. Then I got up and started all over again, implementing, testing, revising, testing, total focus on that one thing that long term would make a huge difference. It meant I could keep on teaching. I could keep on helping people. I could keep on generating revenue. That was so important because that kept me sane. Now, a couple of my mates joked that they thought I died of this supposedly deadly virus that we were being peddled in the media. But these, you know, these mates just understood exactly what I was doing when I told them later what had happened. It was a sort of tactical isolation day. But normally I'm focusing on the strategic things, the, the planning, the strategy, the figuring out what I want to be doing in 10 years time, the working on the business, not in it. And you'd be surprised if you can get yourself away from the face-to-face -face stuff, from the, the nitty-gritty, if you like, of the fine detail stuff. You can really think objectively and in depth and long-term about what you want to be doing. From a detached perspective, you can overview your vision and your mission. And you'll be surprised how easy it is to focus when you're away from your desk. You're not running from hell to breakfast trying to put fires out or deal with other people's issues. You're not trying to multitask, you're just going to focus on that one big thing. When you're absorbed in that, you always have a lot more energy. And I, I don't put this down to coffee anymore. But you, you kind of feel powerful and that's a nice surprise that you have such focus and clarity about what you're doing. But really, the secret is get far enough away from the day-to-day -day work so you can look at the business rather than the work of the business. There's enough buffer distance there to sort of 
step back and give you that overview without you being um, so close to it. You can just get sucked into doing something. So where possible, guys, get off site, lock yourself in the car if you have to. Go and drive somewhere remote and lock yourself up. Take a flask and some lunch. And go and sit go and sit on top of a mountain somewhere. I think I would say you've got to get above the work to think above the level of the day-to-day -day work. So whether we're locked up or not, engineer that thinking time to to go strategic about what you do. Not the fine detail stuff, but long-term focus on what you want to be doing do it every month two months at most make a habit of it put it in the diary don't be a busy fool just head down all day every day doing the same stuff think about how you're going to structure the next 10 years of your life in my experience, the best way to do that is get away from what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Put some space between you and what would normally be done. Book an appointment with yourself to do that necessary thinking. So grab your diary now. Flick a few pages ahead and clear a whole day to escape from your desk. And spend that time really thinking about how things are going. Review where you are. What are you currently doing? What do you want to do more of? What do you want to do less of? What do you want to start doing? What do you want to stop doing? Who do you want to work with? Who do you want to get rid of from your client base? This is the time when you decide how it's going to go down for you. So you might be planning the book, outlining a course, Planning the blog posts, the podcast episodes, the video, the movie, whatever it is. I'm not focusing much on the detail stuff there. I always want to think about the big things. Because the little things are part of the daily routine. So they don't need any special extra time. I've found this practice so valuable over the years. And it was actually forced upon me when I had a, a cycling accident and I couldn't really walk very well for a few days. And any kind of movement was agonizing. And I started to think, what would I do if I couldn't teach guitar? What happens to me if I have to stop? And being forced to confront that possibility changed my life. I didn't want to stop teaching, but I wanted to be financially independent. So if I were injured or I suddenly decided to stop, then I'd never have to worry about the money. That was four years ago. Today, everything I do is discretionary because of the strategic thinking I was forced to make back then. I was previously overwhelmed and probably head down in, in the day-to-day -day running of the business. So just being forced to stop was actually a blessing and not 
something that was potentially fatal. So guys, make a date with yourself, plan an isolation date. Just get yourself away from the day day stuff. If it means you have to go and sit in the spare room, go and sit in the spare room with a flask, with your sandwiches. Don't come out. Don't interact with anybody. Be an antisocial git. It is your God given right to be antisocial. It's not selfish. It's necessary. Do it and let me know how it goes for you. Let me know what you did, where you went, what you did when you were there, what was the outcome and overall how useful was it for you to do it. Get in touch, guys. It's info at neilcamero.com. And remember, you can find me on Twitter where I am at Tutor Podcast. So hit that subscribe button. Leave a nice review for the Tutor Podcast or better still leave an honest review. And you'll automatically get the latest updates as soon as they're live. We better wrap up for the day. So join me next time here on the Tutor Podcast where I'm all about starting, growing and loving your tutoring business. Have a fabulous day. Get in touch with the Tutor Podcast via email or social media and the Tutor Podcast team will be listening. Subscribe on iTunes and you'll automatically get the latest episode directly sent to your device. And remember to share, rate and review TTP so that we can help other people to start, grow and love their tutoring businesses.